Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 654 with a review of Judas and the Black Messiah. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive into it, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about a film uh, which we saw during the Sundance Film Festival um, that just finished, and uh, it is currently streaming on HBO Max, so everybody can go watch it now. And uh, yeah, it's 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 been just a little over a week, I think, since we've seen it, Stephen. Uh, we, we, we talked about it briefly in our our crazy review that we did of the 27 films that we decided to talk about from our time in Sundance. Um, did you happen to check out the film again, Stephen, in the short, short break, or did you take a nice weekend off like I did? <laughs> I took a weekend off. I have not, uh, I, I've not revisited it, but no, I, I honestly, except for the other movie that we are definitely reviewing tonight, I have not watched a single film since Sundance ended. <laughs> I, I was just like done with movies for a while. Yeah, I, I definitely felt the same. I, I did watch something, um, uh, a little animated film, <laughs> just in the middle of the week last week, just as a little, like, one night I was bored, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna, you know, I think it was probably the night after I released that crazy episode, and was like, you know what, I deserve just shut off my head and watch a fun little, <laughs> little animated movie. Um, but besides yeah. that, I haven't really dipped my toe back in, obviously, besides the other movie we're going to be reviewing, um, either, so... But it feels good to be back. <laughs> yeah, it does. Back back in the swing of things. I'm I, I do enjoy these festivals and we're gonna, you know, do it again, hopefully a little bit less volume, but we've already been looking at South by for, for instance. Um yeah. so I know we are going to inflict this on ourselves further, but I do look forward to a life of one or two movies a weekend instead of, <laughs> you know, twenty seven movies. <laughs> I yeah, think yeah. I think it's more my speed. Yep. Uh, as is, I mean, I still remember the times when I thought that like watching three movies in one weekend seemed like excessive. Um, I know. I remember the first time we decided to do like two reviews in a weekend and it, and it felt like, can we really pull this off? And then we flew too close to the sun one weekend and we did like six <laughs> reviews or something, but, yeah. um, festivals are a whole different ball game. Yep. Well, uh, now that we survived, it's time for us to give like more in-depth reviews um, than we did for the, the festival as a whole. So what do you say, Stephen? We just get started. <laughs> Let's get started. All right. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Deputy Chairman Fred Hampton of the Illinois Black Panther Party. Repeat after me. impersonating a federal officer or you can go home the black badges are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror I will learn all that I can I these ain't no terrorists you can murder a liberator but you can't murder liberation you can murder a revolutionary but you can't murder a revolution 
So that was the trailer for Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, it was the real-life story of a man named Bill O'Neill, who uh, was basically recruited by the FBI and helped them infiltrate the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party and ultimately led to the assassination of Chairman Fred Hampton. Stephen Miller, what did you think of Judas and the Black Messiah? Um, I thought this movie was great. Uh, I mean, it there's definitely the festival effect where watching this movie sandwiched in between all the other things we were binging, I think it was just refreshing to see what felt like a, like a real movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't mean that to be like demeaning to other festival films, but you know, a, a lot of festival films feel like a great idea that is maybe well acted and a little shaky in the execution and trying to, you know, swing and a miss. And, Judas and the Black Messiah, I like the closest thing I could compare it to, and this is maybe a strange comparison, is the departed. Like like it felt like a movie to me where just out of the gate, it's like we are going to like we we know exactly what tone we want this film to be. We are going to tell you a story about like competing narratives. It is all going to fit. We are going to catch you up exactly as much as you need to, and you know, trust us, just roll with it. And and I feel like this movie just really, really, really delivered. I think Widows was the other movie that I uh, I thought about, too, of just, like, captivating from the jump. Um, which is interesting because this is not, like, for a biopic, this is not the kind of standard formula you would choose. Like, this is a film about Fred Hampton, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Uh, he is the, like main centerpiece of the story but he is not like the lead character in the story like the point of view is Lakeith Stanfield or William O'Neill and that flip side of like seeing a larger than life figure as told by the person who will betray him I, I think just makes it very interesting because you get to see like what made Fred Hampton such a captivating figure um I remember when we reviewed Selma like what was that, seven years ago now? Um, <laughs> but what really stuck with me about Selma when I watched it was how David Oyelowo's voice had this kind of, like, rhythm to it. Like, the the idea of, like, an orator and how, like, just speaking could be so captivating and how you could gather people around you with the kind of rhythm of your voice. And I feel like Daniel Kaluuya really has that here. And getting to see how an outsider who was brought into this world would kind of become swept up in it just by being in his orbit. I feel like that was really, really, really interesting. And I don't know what else to call it except intoxicating. Like every time he was giving a speech, I was like in rapt attention in this movie. Um, and the rest of it, I, I don't know, like we've seen so many films recently that are set at like the end of the sixties, beginning of the seventies, um, you know, travel the Chicago Seven or hop over the pond, and uh, why am I blanking on the Small Axe movie, um, the first in the series? Yeah, Mangrove. <laughs> Mangrove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma Mangrove 
which occurs like a year later, um, like this time of kind of social unrest and black liberation movements starting to kind of take hold. Um, it was just really, really interesting. And I thought this movie does a good job of towing the line between being like fiercely independent and also being a kind of palatable movie that I think could be widely liked by people who watch it. Um, because it, it it is dealing with some pretty tough stuff, or at least stuff that five years ago would have been seen as tough to like give to a mainstream audience. Like, showing the Black Panther Party in shootouts with the police, right? Depicting the FBI as clearly the villains in the story. Like, there's stuff like that that not that long ago, it would have been kind of absurd to think that HBO would pick up a movie like this and it would go wide and be, like, a pretty big success story. Um, And, like, like now it feels like it strikes that nerve. Like, the public is just ready to see a movie like this. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. I... I just thought it was really cool. I don't get Jesse Plemons as much as I think other people do. Um, <laughs> Me included. <laughs> I feel like he, he... Jesse Plemons is good at being a unsettling dude who you don't trust. And I feel like, to me, that's all he is. And people have been raving about him in this movie in a way that makes me wonder if there's more layers to it that I just am like too dumb to notice. Um because to me, he always plays the same character. And in this time, he just happens to be like sitting at a desk at an FBI place instead of <laughs> somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, he is kind of his character from Game Night, right? <laughs> just that guy's yeah, been exactly. promoted yeah, over right. the years. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% the same character. <laughs> uh, the other, uh, other than him, the other person that I don't get, and this I think is more widely agreed, is Martin Sheen as J. Edgar Hoover in like like a mountain of prosthetics that just seemed like completely unnecessary to me. <laughs> that, that was like watching another movie, whenever he appeared, like your target demo for this movie does not know or care exactly what J Edgar Hoover looked like. <laughs> like yeah. you, you don't need to jump through that many hoops just to look like this guy that like, like Leonardo DiCaprio didn't try to do that. Like, like just, I, I don't know, be, be yourself, man. It would be better. But that, <laughs> The reason to watch this movie is obviously the the leads anchoring it and the story of Fred Hampton. And I think like Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield both do an amazing job at two very, very, very different kind of roles. Um, I think what I like about Lakeith Stanfield here is he is basically the lead of this film. Like the camera's on him more than anyone else. Yeah. But he plays it in such a kind of unsettling way where you... He doesn't know his own motivations, so you can't really know his own motivations. And I feel like there's a there's a kind of like fearlessness to that of being willing to just be like indecipherable while this other character is like so mesmerizing and you can just kind of be like slimy in the foreground. I don't know. It, it seems like a cool move and like a kind of an interesting shift in his career. Um, so I was here for that. But yeah, that's how I felt. <laughs> um, um yeah I mean, as as you know from our our you know omnibus review we did from the festival i really really love this film um I, I i was really captivated by uh the character that lakeith stanfield is playing in this um like i know some people i've seen some some sort of um not really complaints but just sort of like little bit of sadness from people online just saying that like it kind of sucks that this story is centered around the fbi and what they're doing and less around fred hampton um as you Mm -hmm. said you still get that experience of 
of seeing the man that Fred Hampton was through just the short time that you get to, to be around him. But I, w- I was really impressed by the decision to center it around Bill O'Neill. Like this is, uh, you, you brought up The Departed, right? And in The Departed, you're watching a character who is undercover and you're rooting for like the undercover person, right? Like you want them to not get caught, not get found out. If they're in danger, you're worried about them. In this film, you know you're following the villain, but like because of the like because of just narrative structure, like part of the back of your brain is still, oh no, I'm worried about him. What's going to happen? <laughs> right? Like you're you're still following this character that like the film kind of wants you to root for, but you know that you're watching the person who is going to betray the person that you're actually watching this film to see. And I think that there's just something very interesting about watching this person who gets in is is learning about the the people he is spying on as he goes and is slowly learning that maybe what he's doing isn't this harmless thing or isn't as bad because before he's sort of checked out of the situation right he's not really concerned with the black panther party he's not really they're they're just a force that is in existence and he's he doesn't care about it but then when he gets once he once he rolls in he is now getting introduced to it and it's like at, at first he's He's kind of stoked to be to be kind of working um, for the FBI because he's getting paid to do like not not too bad of a job. Right. (laughs) Unless he gets into some tricky situation where he's in danger. He's like, no, this is pretty cool. Like I'm hanging out with this guy. I'm getting paid to do it. I'm just like I'm giving useless information to this to this cop because basically over time, what we kind of see is like they're not doing anything wrong. Like they have they have guns and that's scary to J. Edgar Hoover. And like it's, you know black people trying to stand up for themselves, which is scary to J. Edgar Hoover. But like, besides that, he's happy to report on them because he's not giving any incriminating, incriminating information, right? He's just basically taking money from the FBI to, to live his life. Um, but as things start to get more complicated and he starts to realize that the things he is doing are uh, leading to worse and worse outcomes for this group of people, then it starts to be a, a, this dance of, how bad does he feel versus how much is he trying to protect himself from whatever the FBI is holding over him? And I think that there's a really interesting thing to look at that conflict and watch this character and go through this struggle. Um, I talked about it in, in the other review, but like at the end of this film, you cut to um, an interview that the real life person had given um, only in- interview for TV that he'd ever given. And there is a distinct difference between the, the the remorse that person seems to show um for and the remorse that like Keith Stanfield is performing in this role and it's like i feel like he's making he's making the real life story more complicated and like more sort of interesting and compelling than i mean all i know is the 30 seconds we see of this guy from his interview so it's hard it's hard to know when like an interviewing interviewer is asking you a leading question i can't really sum up your entire life <laughs> in that 30 seconds yeah. um but it definitely is like you're watching this this film and you're like wow, this performance is interesting and like just really, really deep. And then you see the real life man, you're like, oh, that's like a completely different person in a way. And, and it's like, it changes the way you're sort of thinking of the character that you've been watching the whole film. And I don't know, I just, I just found myself uh, just wrapped up in this this story and really found the whole thing uh, compelling. So, Yeah, well, and I think what the difference, like what Lakeith Stanfield does with the character is he he makes this more of a political awakening movie, right? Because like, his character, at least in the movie, is someone who he just has a job to do. He's trying to make a buck. He was, you know, swindling people before, and this is just one other 
one way he can do it in a more quote legitimate way um but then he starts to get more and more read up, wrapped up in the power of Fred Hampton and in the movement that he's fighting for. And he starts to identify with that rather than with the fact that he's going to betray it. And um, yeah. I think that for as a filmmaking device, that works really well because the audience, most of us probably were not that familiar with Fred Hampton going into this movie. At least I, I, I wasn't like I knew he existed. I knew roughly like the events that the movie depicted, but I didn't really know the the power of them, right? Like I didn't know what he stood for in the community or the exact circumstances surrounding it. And I think his character is kind of the audience proxy, even though he's the bad guy who is like, comes in uninformed, doesn't really know a lot. And then he starts to have like the wool taken from his eyes and he starts to see more and more of what, uh, what the world is like. So yeah. I, I feel like that's cool. The, the version that we see depicted at the end, that it would be more of like the walking Phoenix version of this movie. If he decided to play him <laughs> where it would just be like unredeemable and we don't even have access to the inner workings of his brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting. You know, it kind of reminded me of, uh, I know canonically you were not a big Sopranos fan, um, <laughs> but there's a plot device in The Sopranos. Like pr almost any movie, as you mentioned, involving an FBI informant up until now, the target of the FBI is a clearly bad guy, right? Like in The Departed, you know, it's this, you know, vicious gang leader. Um, in The Sopranos, everyone is a bad guy. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> But but there's this thing that happens in The Sopranos where some of the guys who flip uh, start thinking that by talking to the FBI, they are like cops in their own right or they are like heroes or they get like delusions of them being helpful and cool and like they want to go in car chases and they want to provide all this extra info. And then occasionally they have to get brought down to earth of like, you're not no, you still are terrible. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. You're just a guy that got caught, you know? Um and I feel like Lakeith Stanfield kind of has that version here, too, where he he simultaneously has delusions of being, like, on the inside of a mission. And, like, he's, like, so helpful in being an informant. And he thinks, like, he has leverage there. But then he also believes himself to very much be a part of the family that he's ratting on. And it's just, yeah. I, I don't know, it's a kind of interesting dynamic. Yeah. Uh, a thing that I did find interesting about this movie that I didn't know before was seeing the Rainbow Coalition happen. Um, so basically when Fred Hampton gathers like the young lords and the young patriots and there's a there's a group I'd never heard before called the crowns in this movie and I looked yeah. it up and they're like an amalgam of different gangs so they're kind of a fictionalized group which makes me feel better about not knowing who they were um, but, <laughs> but that whole idea of him kind of collecting different leftist organizations together even if on paper they otherwise didn't stand for the same things at all that uh it's interesting and kind of you know relevant to today and different like strains of political thought yeah. so i i thought that was kind of like a cool history lesson it is interesting too how like that scene where he goes to meet like at least the meet where he goes to 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 interact he, he basically crashes like a like a confederate party sort of a thing like whatever's mm -hmm. going on because there's a scene in the beginning where jesse plemons is trying to explain the situation to like Keith stanfield and he's like he's like hey i see like the kkk and the black panthers is basically two sides of the same coin and he's basically making an argument of like these are these two groups that are working outside of the justice system to achieve their own their own ends or whatever but then in the scene he when he crashes this 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 meeting he like you know everybody's like upset for a second he's like look 
society is casting all of us out and treating us both poorly. Like if we work together, we can like stand up together. And it's like he's trying to make this a a peaceful conversation between these two supposed sides of the same coin and like bringing them together to make to make a stand together. It was like it was an interesting way to like take that that intro of what the FBI is sort of trying to look at these people as and then flip it on its head and use it as a way to unite people together for like peaceful causes instead of this seeming military cause that like the government government was all scared of. So I like that scene a lot. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. And it's interesting to compare that to something like Black Klansman, uh, where like Spike Lee's movie, the line is much more clear between like those are the bad guys and we infiltrating them are the good guys. And, you know, it's kind of obvious that the like larger than life hicks or whatever are the villains of the story. And it's interesting to see a movie instead where like the villains are the system like the you know the villains are the feds and everybody else and all these people even if they are you know they do have a confederate flag and they are representing things that are not you know great um yeah but at the same time like they still have more in common compared to the fbi than they do have reason to hate each other and that uh i I don't know i i think like people have mentioned that this movie, they felt like it didn't go far enough in the political side. I've heard that criticism of it uh, in a few places, but I feel like as a kind of I, like I don't want to say mainstream because this movie, I have no idea in a world with theaters and humans going to them, like how big this movie would have been or not. But I, this feels like a more big budget film that is reaching a wider audience and i feel like there it does a good job of kind of trojan horsing a lot of pretty radical ideas without uh being a movie that feels like it is quote about far left politics or anything like i feel yeah. like it does a good job of like hinting at that stuff without being preachy yeah just 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 back up for a second too um just at, at the beginning where you're talking about uh not being super not being super into jesse Plemons' character um I think for me, one of the reasons why um, it works so well is because, like, you talked about the ridiculous portrayal of J. Edgar Hoover, and, like, we don't really see him much, right? Whenever we see him, he's, like, giving a TED Talk on <laughs> on how right. the Black Panthers are the worst thing for the government or whatever. Uh, they they uh, called them Ed Talks back then. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> um, but basically, you only see that, and then he, he goes away. Jesse Plemons is sort of like the mouthpiece of the actions that the administration is taking, but he sort of he's he starts off as sort of the the person who is offering Lakeith Stanfield like a a nice little job to save him from going to jail, and over time they sort of become like it's clear that Lakeith Stanfield thinks that he's like friends, right? Like he's going over to the house. He's like having drinks and stuff, like drinking the nice scotch, Um, you know, going to the fancy restaurants. Um, He's getting bonuses. Like he's able to get like bonuses for like giving good intel and stuff like that. Um, But it's like when you watch that, that turn that happens, I feel like Jesse Plemons does because, because even when Jesse Plemons is like, Oh, this is going from more than just I'm getting Intel. Now I have to start taking bad actions. He, it's like there's two steps before the actions that end up affecting um, Chairman Fred, right? Like there's, there's the decision from the government. Then there is the decision that Jesse Plemons' character has to give to Lakeith Stanfield. And then there's the, the decisions that Lakeith Stanfield has to actually make to participate. And it's like watching him sort of betray. <laughs> 
<laughs> like he's Stanfield. Like that that transference is is like an interesting thing, and I think that's when you see yeah. like the real. You see the. At first, it seems like a simple a simple matter of fact job that he is doing, right? Like, hey, these organizations they shouldn't operate outside of the law. All we're doing is keeping tabs on there. We we need to know what he's capable of. Blah blah blah. It seems like this is all innocent. Like we're just we're just keeping an eye. We're just keeping the peace. It's all totally nice. And then when he has to make that moral decision to do something that is no longer no longer just a keeping the peace thing, it's he's doing like a a a horrible act now. And and like watching him still push that forward, there's like a, there's like an interesting nuanced performance there of just like that sort of being okay with being immoral um because it's mm-hmm. your job. That's like you know, it's sort of a a Christoph Waltz and Inglorious Bastards sort of <laughs> sort of situation, right? Uh, right so yeah, or maybe uh todd in breaking bad for instance yeah. Uh, <laughs> i yeah i i get that like like i think narratively i like that basically all up the chain are people still you know misleading each other like j edgar hoover clearly misled him like like there's moments when uh jesse Plemons character feels betrayed or like he was given half information or like he was you know led to do something without being told the reason why and the real difference that separates the good people from the bad is how much they're willing to roll with that to maintain the status quo versus you know rebel against it and so like yeah maybe he has a moment of doubt or a moment of conscience but it passes like you know in two seconds and that that, yeah yeah that's interesting and lakia stanfield has like a longer moment of conscience but he still ultimately does the thing anyway so you know there's different degrees of betrayal yeah, yeah, but I, I, just, I just for me the the reason why like the the evilness is 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 like Jesse Plemons is like yeah it's a living, <laughs> and like Keith Stanfield is like literally in tears as he's like trying to figure out how he's gonna try to carry out the the job yeah. that he has to do right. So it's it's kind of like there's like a different level there. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to touch back on sort of like why I did really really like that performance. I think in our main review, I said I really really want to see him play a a Bond villain um, eventually, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I, I was I was talking with Jamie um, after she had seen the film, and I was like, I really think that like Jesse Plemons is like the next Philip Seymour Hoffman, like he's sort of becoming that sort of actor, right? Um, so I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman was a villain in Mission Impossible. I think, like you know, we're I, I think we're we're approaching that that realm. So, well, as long as we were talking about The Departed too, Jesse Plemons was just announced to be leading the new Scorsese movie that was going to be uh, Leo <laughs> DiCaprio leading it, which. Like, just, like that is where I don't quite understand Jesse Plemons as a star because I cannot imagine him leading a film that would have like anywhere near the vibe of like a Leo DiCaprio <laughs> film. Um, yeah. It just seems interesting. But now Daniel Kaluuya, I want to see him lead like anything. I feel like between this and Widows and Get Out, like yeah. the dude has range and he, like he can be menacing and he can be like incredibly captivating in a positive way and he can be an audience surrogate. Like he, I feel like he's just really versatile as an actor and yeah, I I really like him in this. And and I do I do want to piggyback on that too because I, I I thought uh, Daniel Kaluuya was fantastic in this film um, and you know I didn't know anything really about German Fred Hampton um, but like I feel like I get a sense of of who he was and what he stood for through this performance and it was really really impressive to me um, I 
because of how much I'm talking about the plot of this film, I've been talking less about him. Um, so I do also want to to celebrate him because obviously he's ama- amazing in this film. I'm just very much a plot guy. <laughs> and that's sort of where I've been focused on for the review. <laughs> we we definitely get it Uh, i also like seeing uh dominic fishback in this movie she plays uh the his kind of romantic interest fred hamptons i think deborah is the character's name um i had known her from the deuce and a few other things before but i i I liked her in this role too pretty much everyone is cool in this movie i'm i mean and lakeith is obviously great too i just feel like he has gotten to anchor enough things now that everyone kind of knows he's a phenomenal (laughs) actor already (laughs) true true Well, uh, any last thoughts about Judas and the Black Messiah? Um, just that at, I feel like this well isn't tapped yet. Like, I would be happy to keep seeing more movies that are set in, like, the late 60s kind of cultural awakening period. I feel like it is a... I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting. And kind of without even having to bend anything, movies become very politically resonant to today just by saying what happened back then. Um, and I feel like that is cool. So I'm... I'm here for it. Like, I hope they're keeping more and more biopics set in this time period. Yeah. Cool. Um, well, let's go ahead and get to our verdicts for this episode then, Stephen. Uh, if you were going to give Judas and the Black Messiah a must-see, record with a caveat, wave rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a must-see. Same. Uh, must-see from me as well, uh, which if you listen to our Sundance review, you would know our thoughts on the film. But, uh, but yeah, big must-see from both of us. We had great times watching it. Stephen Miller... This is going to bring us to the end of this episode. So if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to... Know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoiler warning, facebook.com slash the spoiler warning, or instagram.com slash the spoiler warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to Judas and the Black Messiah, so hopefully you are enjoying that. Um, that's it for this episode. We have more episodes to come. Depends on, <laughs> depends on our stamina for the night. Um, but uh, yeah, we're going to go off and record those. So we'll see you in just a moment. Bye. Bye.